Welcome to the Heart-Centered Therapist Podcast, the podcast created for you, the therapist who leads with your heart and loves serving your clients. I'm Cindy Gozanski, your host. I know that being a heart-centered therapist is immensely rewarding and powerful and intensely challenging and difficult. We're on this journey together. My mission is to help you continue loving your work as a therapist, surviving being a therapist, and feeling more connected as a therapist. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Heart Centered Therapist podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Gozanski, and I'm super excited today to bring you a special guest. I'm going to introduce you to Audrey Shane. Audrey is a licensed marriage and family therapist in California with a fully online boutique private pay practice. As a mother to twins, law enforcement wife, an athlete, and a swing dancer, finding balance has been vital to her well being. She now helps other therapists create full, fulfilling, and balanced practices so they can serve without sacrifice. And if you're like me, hearing about an online boutique private pay practice is going to be just what we need to start the new year. I'm super excited about this. And Audrey, thank you so much for being here. It's so nice to meet you in person finally. Yeah, Cindy, I am so excited to be here. And also so cool to meet you finally after years of being in the same spheres on Facebook. Yes, we've met each other through different Facebook groups and different connections with other therapists. And so that is a real thing, everybody, that you can actually meet and start having relationships with people on Facebook, real collegial friendships that develop. So it's very cool. Absolutely. I love it. Audrey, you have so many interesting aspects to you. We'll start with the balanced private practice journey. How did you get there? But I also want to find out more about those other things. Yeah, sure. I can thread them in too. They actually kind of play a part in this. I'll give you a little backstory before I was in private practice, actually even before that. So when I went to college, I had a professor who was a therapist and he talked about how it really gave him the ability to be available to his family. He had a private practice. He taught some college courses on the side, but one of the things that I distinctly remember was him talking about how he was able to go to his kids' ball games. He was able to be there when they needed him. And -hmm. it was because he was his own boss and he could make his own schedule and decide for himself that it allowed him the ability to show up as a father as a primary thing and that his business could fit into what his life and family needed. And that I think was like the seed for all of this. I remember thinking back then, like, I want that. That's how I want to be a mom. I knew I wanted to be a mom. I knew that was in my cards. I had this idea that I would love being a mom. I'd stay home with my kids for the first five years, you know, that thing. Yeah. But I also knew that I, there was more to me than that. I've he gave you been, a vision of what he gave me a vision possible. of like, oh my gosh, this is a thing that people do and I could do that. And so I think I already knew I wanted to be a therapist, but then that I think really, really sealed the deal for me. I went in to therapy a lot of the same ways that everybody else did. You get out of grad school, you find an agency job. At the time I had to work for free because it was during the economic depression back in 08, 09, 10, right. 2010. Even if we weren't working for free, we were working for $15 an hour. No joke. No joke. It was bad. And so 
even then, like I was always had my hands in multiple things. And so I was coaching CrossFit, teaching swing dance. (laughs) I was a professional henna artist also. And that's how I like made enough money to get by while I did my internships for free. And, and I think one of the things I realized at that point was like, I can't, I'm not a one thing person. I can't do one thing. Cause I get bored. Um, oh, I, I love that like reach for other stuff. And I'm like, Oh, what's over here and what's over there. And you know, right. you know what? I think a lot of therapists are that way because sometimes we don't realize that we are creative. Like if we don't do art or painting or something, but our work is very organic and creative. And I think a lot of times we do get bored. And so we meet so many therapists that have, you know, their hands doing something else. Absolutely. It's, it's such a common experience among therapists for us to kind of dabble in other things. And I think I embraced that pretty early on that I was not going to be kind of that nine to fiver. I was fortunate. I had the privilege of not having to, but it also meant that I piecemealed my income together and I piecemealed my life together. And it was just a different way of doing it. It's not that I worked less. I just worked different. Mm -hmm. And so as I, you know, move through my internships, I actually worked for an agency for a while and that's where I got licensed. I had a private practice internship and then I switched into an agency work so I could get my hours done because I wasn't getting enough hours. I got licensed there and actually loved the job. And yeah, it was like $19 an hour. And this was only like five years ago, six years ago. So it's not like pay has changed much. And then when I got licensed, they bumped me like it took a lot of negotiation. I actually had to leave and come back, but they got to me to 25 an hour licensed, which is wow. still not enough. No, it's not what therapists deserve or is merited based on our education and the type of work that we provide. And Gosh, no, no. Our skills. And as a person who was before kids, who was sort of like, I didn't have, I had a husband with an income. And so I didn't have the pressure to earn more at the time. Mm-hmm. I was dabbling in online therapy, kind of exploring what it looked like. I was on better help because they had just started and I was like, oh, it's this thing. And it kind of got my feet wet with online therapy. But then I had my twins and everything, like everything wow. changed. Of course it changed, right? Of course. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my gosh. How old are your twins now? They're a little over four now. They just turned four in the fall. Oh, they're still so young. They are. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we're hearing about real life folks. Audrey's a mom to four-year-old twins. She's got a husband. She's got these other interests and we're still getting to the, the boutique practice. Oh yeah. 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 So I had my twins. I actually wanted to go back to my agency because I was on track to become the assistant director and -hmm. I was going to supervise and it was really, I loved it. I actually really liked that place, but it was a 40 minute commute each way. It was full-time childcare for infant twins, which was actually about the same as what I'd be making. Wow. I was going to pay in childcare costs, what I would be earning. And then I would be working full-time and I wouldn't like, I'm pumping, trying to breastfeed full-time, trying to do all this stuff. I had postpartum depression. I had postpartum rage. I had Mm. a, a husband in law enforcement who's working, you know, 50, 60 hours a week. Plus he's also in the reserves for the military doing his weekend a year. So he's working crazy amount of hours just to provide for the family. And I'm like, that's not going to work. 
And, Why? and even just you being able to make a decision that's going to support you during this time. It was It just, it was so much to like, be like, I can't, it's not worth it. So I decided to stay home. Thankfully I have grandmas nearby. And so they were able to watch the kids, give me some space to start healing mentally, just to heal physically. And that's when I started exploring, like, what would it look like if it was just me in private practice? What would that look like for me? Let, let, right. Let's do this. Interesting. Um, and, you know, we could, we could do a whole other episode on, on the postpartum trauma and that, that kind of integration into that phase, because um, I, you know, I've, I've experienced friends and colleagues who describe the same thing. I mean, not with twins necessarily, but even just with, you know, one new baby and, yeah. and it's, it's still not talked about that much. Yeah. I mean, whether you have one baby or, or three babies, it shatters your world in a way that you can't comprehend beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not all bad. It's just new and yeah. different and it's a struggle to grapple with while also doing the things of motherhood along the way. Um, Even for mom therapists. And I just want to thank you and acknowledge you, Audrey, for sharing that, like your honest experience, because that's going to really validate and normalize for so many of our listeners. Yeah. Like there were, there was a moment pretty early on where I was like, I'm I'm not a, I'm not a full-time mom and I'm not going to be, and I need to be okay with that. And I need to not feel guilty about that because mm-hmm. I'm a better mom when I'm away from my kids for a certain amount of time every day. Mm. Um, and when I embraced that, I was able to show up a lot better for my kids. And in that space that I created, that's where I started putting my practice and like, building my practice. Okay. In that space. So that space was also integral to your identity as a woman, as a mom, but then also career wise. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I felt pulled to do something for me and that was accessible in a way that a lot of other things weren't because I could do it in my, you know, in my house, in front of my computer and have the online practice. And so for me, this was even pre COVID, like having an online, a fully online practice fit. It fit well because of that. I was able to grow it out. Now, like a lot of other people, what I did is I slid my scale all over the place. I started with low fees. I took on Mm -hmm. people that I probably shouldn't have because they weren't good fits. And so I filled my caseload and because I had done private practice before and I knew how to market and I had some marketing expertise prior, I filled up really fast. Um, but then I was presented with a new problem. Um, I had to start paying for childcare, but I hadn't built my fee structure to support that. Okay. Yeah. And there was a critical point where I realized that my husband working two jobs, 60 plus hours a week was actually subsidizing my client's low fees. So I had to totally like make huge changes in my practice to, to really honor, like my husband's killing himself. Right. That wasn't okay with you. No. No, like, well, first of all, police officers, I've said this on in other places, average age of first heart attack for police officers is 47. That's young. And then he was also in the military still as a reservist and he wanted out. And so I was like, okay, well, I need to build a practice that's going to support his ability to leave the reserves Mm -hmm. and work less so that he's literally not killing himself for us. Right. And you, you live firsthand with that first responder 
trauma and stress and there's there was probably not so much you had to give when you were in the throes of being a new mom and then mm-hmm. juggling this kind of too full practice with not your ideal clients and low fees. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It started yeah. becoming a strain rather than a place of, of fulfillment. What I love and- Audrey is, is also how you are looking at your values. And I know we're going to talk about this a little bit as we sort of deconstruct the, mm-hmm. ba- the balanced private practice, but you are looking at your values. Family is first family of your husband and your, and your kids. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I did some pretty like drastic things that I think a lot of therapists would, would throw some shame on like certain, you mm-hmm. know, if, if this was like in a public forum and I'm going to make it in a public forum, cause no shame here, but like, I got rid of sliding scale. I brought everyone up to a premium fee. I let some people go. Like I had to make yeah. sweeping changes to make it something that was going to work for my family. And I had to confront a lot of really like challenging normative messages in the, in the therapeutic world mm-hmm. to, to be able to do that. I had to go against the grain in a lot of ways. Right. I mean, you know, they say no shame, no story. This is your story. And it's so mm-hmm. beautiful because it's, it's provided for your family in a way yeah. that, that nothing else could. And mm-hmm. now you're teaching other therapists how to do this. And so, you know, it's another lifeline, which I think is great. Yeah. 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 Well, and it's enabled me to do that, right? Like Mm I, I've, I think for many years I've wanted to coach. I really, I enjoy the business side. I love building a business. Yes. Um, I can't keep building my own because like, (laughs) there's only so many times I can build my own businesses. Right. But, um, I love building a business. And so I love being able to help other people build a business that works for them. But I think even more fundamental than that, like I get so fired up when I see my friends burning out. Fired up how? Like it shouldn't be that way. We're, we're losing clinicians. We're losing therapists to burnout. We're, we're like perpetuating a broken system by participating in it. And note again, no shame to people that are taking insurance. It's not about taking it or not taking it. It's not about offering a low fee or not. It's about how does this work for me? And we we get caught doing things that don't work for us because that's the way the system has pressured us to do it. Mm-hmm. That's the way the system is designed to function. And instead of looking for ways to work outside of that system while also being aligned with our values, we get stuck in the system and then we end up burnt out. And then we leave the field. It's what is it? It's something like a 10-year career life expectancy for therapists. Oh, really? This doesn't surprise I, me, but right. I, I, yeah. I wish I had the, the, the source for that because I, I, there was an actual source for that and I can't find it. You know how mm. it goes, Yeah. but, but I remember thinking about that. I remember talking to some friends of mine who were former, you know, social workers and therapists and stuff like that. And they're like, yeah, it was about 10 or 11 years when I, when I left, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, yeah. dang, there's right. something to this. There's, there's attrition for sure. And it's definitely connected to burnout. It'd be interesting to find to find that study. Um, but you know, what we're talking about is, is what else can you do? How can you make this a viable career? And, you know, for some of us like myself who is older and planning to still do this in my own way and others out there who are younger and starting their families, right? Like you have so much to offer. So looking at this shift you made, maybe this is a good time to go into how did you create then 
the online boutique practice that smashed the norms. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So the first thing I did was some math actually, um, I had to get into the numbers and I, I think a lot of therapists are really hesitant to get into math. We don't like math. We're going to become therapists to do math. <laughs> But I had to run some like very real numbers. If like, if I'm going to pay for full-time childcare for my twins, if I'm going to contribute a certain amount of money to the family income, if I'm going to replace, you know, my husband's income from the reserves, and if I'm still going to have some money left over to do some things for me, mm-hmm. what does that need to, like, what does my fee need to be based on how many clients I can reasonably see and feel good at the end of the week? Not like I can get through but like actually still have some energy left. It's a very good distinction. I hope everyone heard Mm -hmm. that. How many clients do I actually need to see? Not that I can get through, but that I can see and have energy left for myself. Yeah. And I think for many of us, that's fewer than we think Mm -hmm. or fewer than we want to admit. Actually, (laughs) for me at that time, it was like 12 to 15. I hadn't started my coaching practice yet, but so at the time it was 12 to 15. So I had to do the math and it came out to 200. And so there was as a, your rate, 200 as my was rate. Your rate. that it. was going to be my base rate for everyone. It had to be everyone. And so I brought everyone up to that rate in my practice. And some people left, mm-hmm. some people stayed more than I expected stayed. And then I filled back up very quickly again in the spots that I opened up. And so I had to, again, take a really hard look at and bringing in more clients than I can handle. Mm-hmm. I can't actually take more clients. What do I need to do next? The next step that I took was to, to ask for my dream fee, which was 350. Wow. Um, because I knew that if I had seven to eight clients a week at 350, I would be earning the income that I need to support my family. And it would create the space that I wanted to be able to give back to my therapist community in a way that was meaningful to me. With your coaching um, business, with the coaching business, right. right? And this is, um, these are weekly clients. So you'd have like seven to eight at three fifty per week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So I'm my not there big yet. question. Oh, you're not I'm there getting yet. there. Okay. <laughs> Great. This is going to be so inspiring to people. How do you get referrals for these type of clients? Yeah, this is the part that fascinates me the most. So, so a couple things are working in my favor. I started marketing myself as an independent practitioner back when I was an intern in private practice in an internship for mm-hmm. private practice. Mm-hmm. So I had a website up and it was with my name and it was really basic. Right. But one of the things that that helped me do, and this is for anybody that's thinking about starting a practice in the future, put a single page website about you up that starts getting you some credibility with Google because, Mm -hmm. because of that, my website had history with Google. It had traction already. So I think when I actually went live and I started directing people to it and telling the people in my life about it and being really visible and networking, Google very quickly picked up that like I'm relevant. And so having the history really helped me. Yeah. I do encourage like I host a lot of um, master's level interns and I encourage them to have a psychology today profile and to Mm -hmm. keep that going. So we have that during their internship. And then I encourage them to keep that going because that creates a little bit of, of that history. Like you're saying, exactly. exactly. But the one page website is great. And people can get that with a lot of the EHRs now as part of it. Even one of the less expensive, like build your own websites, it's worth the investment of a few hundred dollars a year Mm -hmm. to 
create that traction over time. Um, yes, it's a few hundred dollars. If you have it to spend, I think it's a very worthwhile investment to start getting that traction and to get that credibility with Google. So I think I had that going for me. I was really specific about my niche and how I worked. Like I know exactly the right person that does great work with me. Mm. And I was really careful. I spent, I cannot tell you how many hours listening to podcasts, drafting my website. Again, I had some, some history in marketing that really helped me craft a really good message, but it was basic and it was simple, but it was straightforward and it was targeted. I knew exactly to, to your who niche my ideal client. client was. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Drew and who is in. that? Who is your ideal client? Yeah. So yeah. Um, my overarching, my ideal yeah. client is the anxious, overachieving perfectionist, but they also like, they really want to understand why or how they got to this point. So they have a deep interest in understanding the childhood experiences that brought them to being this way. And they know they can't keep going. Mm-hmm. They also tend to be a little bit type A, a little bit resistant. They don't like the fact that they're going to have to look at their childhood, but they know they need to. Right. So that's my person. Um, they like a little bit of the cognitive behavioral, but they like a lot of the deep esoteric stuff. And you challenge them. I hear that in your voice. You're you're Absolutely. really good at that, like confrontation. That and and I I've, I've woven that into my marketing. Like I'm I'm not the person that's going to sit back and just be quiet. I'm going to confront you. I'm going to be a little cheeky. I'm going to be a little sarcastic. I'm going to dig into the places you don't want to go. And if you want that, that I'm your person. Yeah, I love how you let yourself in your marketing, right? Yes. People know they they like know your voice or they know the personality that they're going to get Audrey when they see your marketing, when they see things about you and yep. they're deciding whether they want to work with you and that's really that's a really good lesson for everybody. Yeah, and you know it, what that makes me think of is I think the other reason I've been successful at bringing people in is the confidence that that really comes with that. I know me, I know what I'm great at and I'm willing to say I'm great at this. Mm-hmm. And I think I can help you. Mm-hmm. And clients, not only in my marketing messages, but when I get them on a consultation call, they feel that confidence and they feel held by that confidence that like, I can help you. Sure. And so people want to help. You have this confidence that you've you've developed through your experience and that comes through. And so what I sense is you don't have a lot of self-doubt or second guessing, like, you know, your worth (laughs) and it's out there. And so you've, you're going for it and, and it's working. Yeah. And and to to that note, like (laughs) I absolutely have self-doubt, right? It creeps up. It's in there. It's not that I don't have it. It's that I don't let it be louder than the confidence. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. I think as women in particular, like we are conditioned to be quiet about the things we're proud of, to be humble to our detriment. And I would rather, I would rather be seen as overconfident by people that are stuck in that viewpoint Mm -hmm. because I want to feel good about what I do. And I want others to know that I feel good about what I do. And it's okay. What you're saying is we've been so conditioned. It's okay for us as especially women. A friend of mine says to brag, like it's okay Mm -hmm. to make that brag. And just the way you put it was, it's powerful that you don't let 
your self-doubt get louder than your confidence. Yeah. Your confident voice. That's, that's really empowering. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. It's a gift you're giving everyone here. I love it, Audrey. Oh my gosh. So you are describing this great trajectory of creating the balanced private practice, working with your ideal clients, getting your ideal rate. And you're, you're really close to that. You shared some surprises along the way. What inspires you now in doing this work? I think so on the therapy side, what keeps me inspired there is like seeing what's possible. Mm -hmm. Like if I can do it and I'm like, quote, nothing special, so to speak, right? I'm no special than anybody else, no more special than anyone else. Mm -hmm. And if I can do this, then I know that it's possible for other people too. So I, I continue to push the edges and the boundaries in my therapy practice to say like, what does it feel like to do this? Because if I'm going to coach somebody on this, I want to have done something like it. Mm-hmm. I want to understand what that's going to be like firsthand. Um, and and, and then maybe the- not even saying, I just think this is really important. Like you said, oh, I'm not that special. Or maybe it's like my therapist journey was not that special. It was pretty ordinary the way you describe it in terms of you know how many of us start out with our practices and right. yet one could achieve something like you have. Right. Yeah. 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 So I like deeply believe that it is possible for any therapist to create a practice that aligns with their values and needs. And that's going to look different for everyone. And I think that's the piece that's really inspiring me in the coaching is like helping our community and culture as a whole break through some of these like cultural narratives that we get stuck on and the shaming and the like rules that we follow to actually help people create something that aligns for them. You know, I was talking to uh, uh, one of my coaching clients and she does a lot of Instagram marketing. She has a really big Instagram and she puts a lot of energy into it. And she was like, should I also do sliding scale? I'm like, why? You are offering, you are giving a service through your Instagram. You put so much research and inch and information. 100%. People don't realize that. Why are you also giving away over here? Like you don't have to give away in multiple places. And that's a cultural message that our kind of therapist community or culture gives, right? That we're always Mm -hmm. giving away. Right. Like we're supposed to do sliding scale. It's like, well, maybe not. Maybe mm-hmm. there's a different way to give back. That's actually more aligned with your values. And maybe it's nothing to do with therapy. Maybe that's actually even okay. <laughs> like I, I believe my it. twins for two years straight. I, <laughs> I feel like that was a pretty important <laughs> contribution to humanity. To humanity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're still an athlete. Tell me about that. Cause I'm so interested oh. <laughs> that let's, let's call that this like the other little intermission before we go back to, to the balance yeah. practice. Oh gosh. So I've, I've always loved fitness stuff. And again, I didn't embrace that, um, for a long time. I had a very interesting relationship with fitness and, and food as many women do. And I actually started CrossFit and I, I started CrossFit when it was very culty, very popular. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm the first to say like CrossFit's a little bit culty and that's okay. <laughs> but I think what that did is it taught me CrossFit taught me to understand my body as function, not form. Hmm. And it changed my relationship with food to fuel, not this other thing that it was very tense for me. And that so, sounds amazing. It was, it was so incredible. 
yeah, it's so incredible. And it doesn't need to be CrossFit, but just for me, it was CrossFit that did that. And being able to really embrace the athlete in me and understand that like, I actually like doing this. I enjoy pushing my limits. And it's, it's interestingly applicable to the business side of things because what is it? Something like 90 something percent of female CEOs are former collegiate athletes. They say that it has something to do with this idea of pushing your edges and limits and mm, seeing the I boundaries of your capacity. Yeah. The grit, the, the discipline, the grit, right. Yeah. That I can do hard things. And just because it's hard, doesn't mean I should stop. Mm. And so for me, weightlifting, powerlifting, Olympic lifting, CrossFit, has been such an integral part of me really coming into confidence. We get back to that confidence thing. Like exactly. We we need to create it within ourselves in yeah. what in whatever setting. And then it does, you know, filter into our other lives, our professional lives as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So it, you do powerlifting and Olympic weightlifting? Yes. <laughs> Before I had my kids, I actually did a powerlifting meet and I got first place in my weight class. Oh my gosh. That's amazing, Audrey. Wow. Thank you. I'm still, I'm still rebuilding (laughs) since the twins, but. uh... And so I imagine like, you know, so many of us try to, I mean, (laughs) normal athletes, right. We're trying to stay fit and, you know, walk or run or swim or whatever it is, go to the gym. And we try to just fit that in with our busy days. But I imagine the type of practice you've created, like you get to select your times that you're going to do your workouts or train Mm -hmm. with somebody or train with a partner. And that's got to be very uplifting and encouraging because you're kind of owning your life again. Yeah. Oh man. This is, I mean, this is at the foundation of my, this whole balance practice concept is that it's about designing a life first. It's a life first approach to business planning. And, you know, when, when I had the twins, like I was almost forced to, it wasn't about when, when I was available so much as what they needed. So for a long time, for the first few years with them, it was about breastfeeding schedules and nap schedules. And I had to work my practice around my life. And so that's where it started. But then as I started bringing myself back in, like my workouts and my personal time and stuff like that, I really took that approach of put my life first and then see where my business fits so that it, it, so that I'm well first, because if Mm -hmm. I'm not well, how am I supposed to take care of anybody else? Exactly. And this harkens back to what your professor was trying to share with you. Yep. Yes. And so you call this life first design, which I really love. And you just gave some practical applications of that, like with your kids and exercise, aligned practice vision. I've heard you call it that. Is there anything else that would be good to share about this life first design of our practice? Yeah. So I think this is kind of like, it's a give and a take, right? It's adaptive what my practice looked like a year ago, two years ago, it changes all the time. And when I'm making decisions about my schedule, when I'm making decisions about my caseload, all of that, I'm always looking at it as this like living, breathing, adaptive thing. So I'm not afraid to go and tinker with it. Like just a couple of weeks ago, I was tinkering with my schedule and I'm in the process of changing my client schedule again. And I probably do that once a quarter. 
because I'm looking at like, does this work for me still right now? That's and- so important because also I think a lot of new therapists will like hold those client schedules so tightly in- instead of, Hey, what do you want to do? You're the therapist. Right. <laughs> right. Like this is, and I get like, for some people, they might open an evening for a while before so they can fill up faster because they need the income. Got it. That's part of the balance, Mm -hmm. right? The balance is looking at what's the reality that I'm dealing with and what do I need and how do those two fit together? Um, Because there's a reality aspect to this. Some people can't afford not to take insurance from the beginning because they're the primary provider and they can't wait for their caseload to fill up. I get that. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the trajectory of how you balance that in the long run. Um, so, so in your coaching at, work, then yeah. you help, you help therapists kind of move step-by-step step through the process. They may take insurance and then you start like saving some slots for higher self-pay and yep. so on. Yep. So and they don't have to out. start from like zero to 350. Yeah. Goodness. I didn't start there. I wouldn't expect anybody else to start there either. These are calculated risks that we take along the way Mm -hmm. to get closer to the place that you want to be. One thing that you also are really an expert at, of course, with all of, all of your, your life responsibilities is boundaries. Yeah. And I was hoping Audrey, maybe you could talk a little bit about the boundaries for us with our practices and how that's good for our clinical care, for our clients, for ourselves, why we mess up on those all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think the, the biggest piece that I think as business owners that, and therapists with where it collides is around this idea of boundaries and policies mm-hmm. and how we set up our practice. And so if I'm not checking in with myself and my needs, then I'm not going to be setting proper business boundaries. And that is going to show up clinically. Either that's going to show up as me taking on a client that's not a good fit and we have bumps and and bruises and it goes badly and it goes sideways. And we all know that we've all had those um, where our gut said no. And we were like, but I need it. And so you take them anyway. Right. Then you don't look forward to those sessions and you start to become resentful and yep. Yep. And you might think maybe there's something wrong with me because I'm not able to meet this client where they are. And really, maybe it's just that they're stretching you in directions that you don't want to, or need to stretch now or ever. And that's okay. okay. Um, or maybe we offer a slide scale by default rather than just seeing if they'll take the full fee, you know? Mm -hmm. And so then we end up with not enough income and we wonder if this is possible. And then that starts showing up because we're taking on too many clients. So then we're feeling tired and we're not giving client 25, the same presence as client two. And so it shows up in the work with our clients in that way. And so holding certain boundaries in our business, while they might on the surface seem cold, and very like business-like they Mm -hmm. actually serve the client in the long run, because this stuff is going to show up in your clinical work. It's going to show up in your ability to be present. It's going to show up in your relationship with your children. It's going to show up everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the mark of such an amazing supervisor, just the way you describe all of that, right? (laughs) That's that, that really, it translates into better client care. And this is why, and that was just such a great explanation. It's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I mean, I've seen it with myself. I know that if I'm having a, a feeling, 
a discord with a client, one of the first places I look is have I allowed a boundary in my business to be crossed? That's not sitting well with me. Mm-hmm. That's right. where I check first. Yeah. Cause then I want to look at the clinical relationship. Very important. So it goes beyond just checking the self of therapists. We're also checking the therapist business. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. They're inextricable, totally right. inextricable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's not enough out there about that. And it's certainly not taught in the master's program. So no. I'm really excited that you're bringing this <laughs> here today. Thank you. Yeah. Not at all. You don't get this in grad school. No. <laughs> Okay, so I think we've debunked quite a few of the cultural narratives. <laughs> I don't know if there's any that we didn't touch on, but money messages, we got that one. Giving back, got that one. Yeah, self-sacrifice, I think that's that's there too. Just going back, you can't change anything. And and in fact, it's it's actually been really fortuitous that your life happened this way and you have your your beautiful twins and family. But when you were just starting out, like if you could tell yourself something, what would it be? Oh, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is don't offer sliding scale <laughs> by default. <laughs> I think we have such clouded, I don't know, cloud is the right word, but we have a, such an interesting internal perspective on what other people are capable of mm. or able to pay. And I have been perpetually surprised by people's willingness, ability to budget in certain different fees for therapy. What it has taught me is that if I offer a sliding scale, people are going to take it even if they don't need it. Mm -hmm. And that actually diminishes my ability to give it to the people that genuinely do. Right. Um, And so I think if I were to tell myself one thing from the start, it would be don't offer sliding scale allow people to ask, decide if you're going to do it or not, have some limits, but don't offer it straight yes. up. Yes. You may not be the therapist for them. There are lots of ways that um, they can, not enough ways, but there are still yep. many ways that they can get access, you know, such as seeing, seeing an intern or, um, you know, other ways that they might be able to get a lower rate, even just another clinician who offers that as their Mm -hmm. give back because they're not doing a coaching business or something else on the side. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it's not to say that you don't, you can, but have again, boundaries around it. When I started, Mm -hmm. I didn't have boundaries around it. Um, I thought I did, but I didn't have good boundaries around it. And I put me in a difficult financial position. And so, you know, I think, really getting comfortable with numbers, getting comfortable with money, getting comfortable with having these boundaries in your business in a way that it supports you. That's vital. It's vital. And, and I just want to emphasize again, that primary part of your values and aligning your values with this major move that you made, right? Mm -hmm. The values of home and family Mm -hmm. and, and the health for, for you all that way that underlies everything. And I think that's, what's so important and, and so heart centered, you know, when we, when we look at this from that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Completely. Yeah. And so what I love is we, we sort of haven't talked about money at all, you know, like Mm. what we're taught, what Audrey and I are talking about, even though it's about a a higher self-pay boutique practice, we're really not talking about money per se. We're talking about aligning with life first design and your values and, and boundaries and what's going to work for you. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, other people don't need to charge 350 to mm-hmm. reach their aligned goal. Some might, some might not. And it's not about the number itself. It's not about the money itself. Like you said, it's about aligning the value systems and looking at a very realistic logistical way that this works. Yes. That's so refreshing. It's so refreshing from so many other methods that you see out there. <laughs> so with that, I know a lot of people, I hope a lot of listeners, Audrey, will be really interested in what you have to offer. Ah. First, I want to say, guys, check out her website. Her <laughs> website is beautiful. Thank you. It, it really is. And there's a, there's so much on there, but it's, it's a gorgeous website. It's super inviting. And um, let's hear about what balanceprivatepractice.com offers. What can you share with us that you have currently? Yeah. So I have a bunch of free stuff on my site. I try to put out some really good free tools, a balance scheduling training that is literally the same process I use still to this day. And I always will for creating my life first designed for my practice. Um, So that's free. I have some other trackers and stuff that helps really track some of the data in your practice that helps you make data-driven decisions about, you know, what's next in your practice. I do offer one-on-one coaching. I have limited spots for that, but it's very high touch intensive coaching to really get into what's good for you and and get your marketing and your, your practice aligned. But my biggest thing is my program. So I have a private practice mentorship program. It's called practice by design. And it's for clinicians who are both new or have existing practices Mm -hmm. and either you need to get set up from the beginning. So it's got everything you need to get set up from scratch, but that's just a small piece of it. It Mm -hmm. has everything you need. If you're an existing clinician to really go through and audit your practice and make the big decisions about what changes you need to make to get to a place of alignment where you're sustainable, where you're taking care of yourself, your clinical stuff is, you know, you're improving your clinical work and really looking at your business from a different perspective. It includes group coaching. So I'm in there with you doing the group coaching with you and some really great lessons and some guests. We have some guest lessons as well, guest speakers that come in and do lessons. So that's wonderful. I've actually got another round coming up soon. I will be perfect. So if you're listening and it's, you know, still, you know, early 2023, I've got a challenge, a free challenge coming in my group. My free group is balanced practice community. And we'll link to everything. Yeah. Her group is great. And she offers so much. There's so much uh, wonderful free inform information and videos and it's really oh, yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, I love I love doing that stuff. And that's my give back. Like that's I my, was gonna say talk about give back. That's my Bingo. give back right there. Yeah. So come in the group. I've got a challenge coming up end of January that we are going to run you through a challenge to improve your income outcomes and um impact. And mm-hmm. then we'll be launching another round of practice by design starting sometime mid to end of February. I haven't nailed down the dates exactly keep a lookout for that. Cause I've got to have really fun bonus planned for my, for my participants for that round. So I'm really, I'm just excited about it. And the people that are in it right now, my first round of participants are just having amazing things happen in their practices. And it's just so cool to see it literally, like I've, I've literally been brought to tears because I'm so mm-hmm. happy for what they are able to accomplish and the changes they make in their mm-hmm. life. 
um, it's, it's just incredible to be a part of it. Yeah. I can feel how touched you are (laughs) by it and your energy, you know, it just lights you up to see what's happening. That's, that's awesome. It's awesome. People are also, I assume in, in the practice by design, which is a great name. I mean, I think you can tell Audrey knows her marketing, right? (laughs) In, what what was the other one in looking at your outcome, your income? Oh uh, yeah. It, income outcomes and impact. Yeah. And I, impact. Oh, <laughs> boom. That's so good with marketing too. I, love I have it. really come to accept that I, I'm, I, this is my brag. I'm, I'm pretty damn good at marketing. Like I'm pretty good at this stuff. I'm actually good at writing. That's it. You brag sister. I love it. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. So um, what I was thinking is not unlike therapy. I mean, it's not therapy, but just that sense of coming to practice by design, right? We're not just like um, a blank slate saying, help me with my business. We're saying, this is what's going in my personal life. This is what's making it hard, right? And so you you really get like into the nitty gritty to really help people make some major changes, the, the life first design. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's the foundation of it. If, if, if you are, I have a lot of people that come into my program who are parents of special needs kids, or they have a chronic illness themselves, or they're, they're just juggling something extra Mm. that makes it difficult. And like, that's really where this life first design shines is when you've got something in your life that is outside of the like normative privileged life structure this gives you a chance to really look at like, what does it need to be like for me? And that's also only, you know, temporarily available mm-hmm. to us, the normal privilege, and then it could change in, in change. a second. Yep. So if you know, and even with good things like having twins. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. I yeah. had that. I had a pretty normative privileged start and then mm-hmm. I had twins and I had these other things come up that meant it was going to be harder for me. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had to, had to change the script. Yeah. Well, so, you know, to the listeners out there, if if you want a very real and amazing coach and business owner to walk you through a shift in your, in your private practice, Audrey Shane is your person. And I just, I really want to thank you. We're going to have all of the links in the show notes, you know, and again, this is for new therapists or a therapist who's already been practicing and wants to do something different or re-examine how your your life and your business are in alignment or are not in alignment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, I really want to thank you for this super fun interview, Audrey. It was great to get to talk with you instead of just chats online. I know this was wonderful. Thank you so much for having yeah. me. My pleasure. Absolute pleasure. So again, I'm really grateful and I hope people check out your website and your program. And I look forward to maybe doing this again in the future. I would love to. That'd be awesome. Yes. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, I invite you to subscribe and leave a rating or review. It really helps other people find this podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the links and resources mentioned. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.